both we are both widowed. Yeah. We both have gone through, a, you know, the worst day of our lives. Absolutely, and we're still standing. And we're still standing. That's, there we go. That's the important thing, and I'm. I hope that anybody who's listening to this is hearing possibilities that there's reasons to hope. There's, there's there's a life. There's and there's a decent life. I think even um, dare I say a joyful life to be had. I think that's I think that's great to hear, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm coming up. It'll be four years in November for me, and that is still an incredibly surreal thing to hear coming out of my mouth that it's been you know coming up on four years since I last had a conversation with my husband um, and I know you're even further out you just ten years surpassed ten years and, and that just blows my mind especially from the perspective of I had teenagers at home and now they're adults which mm. is kind of crazy it is kind of crazy isn't um, it I don't know if it's the same for you Kim but when, um, in some ways, I feel like my age just stopped mm, mm -hmm. at that at that point. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does like, make sense because your life as you knew it, right? You were chugging along. You had plans. You had dreams and hopes for the future, of yep. course, with your husband, and that all came to a screeching halt. An abrupt halt. stop. Yeah. Very abrupt stop. So yeah. that, that does make sense. Yeah. Why maybe mentally you still feel like you're that same age as you were that Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Yeah, that, Absolutely. that makes sense to Absolutely. me as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we were thinking today might be a good time to talk about things that we found helpful in the early days and weeks and months of widowhood because it's... Um, just such an unbelievable adjustment and we know that many people out there mean well when they say yeah. or try to do some of the things that they do but if you are listening and are not a widowed person but you know someone who is and maybe you want to support that person uh, we just thought that we would share some of the things that we found to be helpful and not, not so, so helpful, helpful. <laughs> <laughs> and um if you are a widowed person and you have people in your life, maybe you're not quite at the point where you can articulate what you need. This might be one podcast that you pass on to the people in your life. Say, here, listen to this, and maybe that could be helpful too. So, yeah. All so, right. all right. I'm gonna say you go first. All right. So <laughs> I, I'm, and I'm gonna start with. I think there's something, there's a, such a thing for too much help, you know, I think like when you've had, and I, I've only had experience with sudden death, like one day my husband was there and the next day he wasn't and my life was just thrown into a frenzy of just unimaginable, you know, like I was answering questions like, um, where does he want to be buried? What kind of mm. casket do you want? What do you want to bury? And and my brain just could not take it. Like and then, you know, tell my kids. You know, it, it was just so much to um, handle. And and I think like there's such a thing as too much help mm -hmm. in the beginning, mm -hmm. and then um, and then none at all. <laughs> It does feel like feast or famine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so um, 
when there was so much help, I was so overwhelmed. I had no, you know, and, and I think like in the realm of what are the things that you should not be doing mm-hmm. or asking a widowed person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my kids and I used to make fun of this when people would say, so if there's anything you can do, <laughs> just let going. us know, let us know if there's anything we can do. And I'm like, I don't even know who I am. Right? <laughs> How am I supposed to know what, what I need? Right? Yes. And, and most times, you know, you're in such an autopilot mode that you're just plowing. Through. It doesn't even occur to you to say, oh, this is something someone could help me with. Right. So that, that was like the least helpful thing. It's like, just let us know if there's anything we can do. Um, and we know, of course, that that is well intentioned absolutely and that you really honestly do want to help somebody but unless they tell you specifically what they need then you're not going to be much help no but now you're dealing with someone whose world is upside scrambled down. completely you yes. can't think two minutes in the future no so how could you possibly articulate what you need yeah anyway so so that was the most the most um, unhelpful phrase ever. Like, just let me know if there's anything I can help you do. And I, I, you know, needless to say, I never called anyone. Sure. What I did find helpful was having, um, I think at some point there were proxies, so to speak, for me. Yeah. And the proxies would be like, well, here are some things that I think this person needs. And then she would rally around and get people to do it. So if you... Um, and I don't think like I, I literally couldn't even assign myself a pro. I think someone just took that upon themselves. Like, well, I'm, I'm going to be the point person and they just directed people. So I think I had someone, um, she got someone to come clean the house and somebody else got someone to, um, do like a food train and, you know, and, and I'm saying this like, if I can think back to who that person was, it wasn't even a person that I knew. It was someone who got to know me through um, the death and she sort of just rallied her people and said, wow. here, let's help this person. So that that was really helpful. I think early on also, um, when I go back to the story, the, the, um, being able to move my body was huge. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, but I wasn't highly motivated. <laughs> and How could so, you <laughs> but the, the, these two ladies would come to my house every day and say, Hey, let's go for a walk. And so that, that was really helpful. And, and that it was, probably became one of your first coping mechanisms. Absolutely. Just being able to, um, because you were, you have always been active. I had been. And, but with your world upside down, you probably weren't quite thinking I need, I need to get back to the things Doing that things, I yeah. normally loved and, and did prior. Absolutely. And I think, you know, like in hindsight, now I see um, the huge connection between grief and the body. Yes. And how, you know, getting your body in motion helps a lot. And so just having those two people say, hey, come, let's go for a walk. Um, and, you know, it was good enough distraction where my brain wasn't spinning you know I had to walk I had to listen to you know 
what we're talking about and seeing the things out and about. So that that was helpful. Um, yeah, I think um, the other thing that I, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Kim, the other thing that not helpful, I think there's a sense of um, exposure that you have when your person dies. Did you feel that, super vulnerable? Yes, Is that what you're okay. so, and I don't know how, and, and I say this with all, you know, people, again, the general idea is well-intentioned, and it took me a while to even come to that, but the, um, the prying, the question, so are you going to move, are you going to do this, are you going to do that, and all right, again, I don't even know who I, like, the questions you're asking are beyond my capability, but also... Some of them are like private, like just because my husband died doesn't mean that um, it's a license to have my life be an open book. Absolutely. And oh, that is a really important, that's a really important thing that you're bringing up. Yeah, because, you know, people feel, and, and I don't know what they feel, but it was just this sense of, wait a minute, okay, my husband's dead, but... Um, Questions like, do you have life insurance? How are your kids going to go to college? Um, are you, you going to stay in your house? Like, if I was married, you would not be you, asking me exactly. those questions. Like, exactly. if my husband was a liar. And so, and I think early on, it didn't even occur to me not to answer some of those questions because, you know, I was like, you kind of, I kind of had this sense of being backed up against the wall. But with time, I kind of developed my um, language around answering a lot of stuff. Like, you know, it was, I, I, I developed the ability to say, you know what, that's not something I want to discuss right now. And I would go. shut it down. But there that was go. something that I had to develop. And so, you know, for people who are early on, it, it, it's almost like you're like... Um, you attract so much more um, curiosity around your life. And the, the idea is you don't have to answer to anybody. Not at all. Um, you and, don't you owe know, anybody anything. Absolutely. And so just being able to say something like, you know, it's not something I would like to discuss right now. Right. It's not being rude. It's not shutting anyone down. It's just saying... That topic is not open for discussion. And that's right and that's a nice way of answering <laughs> when somebody asks such a private question, mm -hmm. like, "Did you have life insurance?" Uh, that oh, that please don't ask somebody who has just lost a loved one. Did, well, was there have, life insurance? Right. Why? Right. Why does it? Why do you? How does that impact? I you? Just I don't <laughs> understand how that's anybody's business. Yes. Now, if the person. Um, if the if the person is struggling to maybe uh, make final arrangements and things like that, I imagine they will mention that. I imagine that that would be something that they would say as I don't you know I I'm dealing with this now and I don't know how I'm going to afford a service or a burial or whatever you decide to do. So I think people will uh, find out. You know, if there is some sort of a financial 
challenge. So that's probably one that should be off limits. I would say another one is, um, when do you think you'll be ready to date? And of course, we're going to be talking about dating, dating on some other on, day. <laughs> yeah, because that, that is its own podcast, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, but I got, I've gotten that question a couple of times. When do you think you'll be ready? So do you want to know how soon someone asked me that question? Oh, no, I don't. A week. No. Uh, yes. A week after. So, oh so do you God. think I'll date again? And I'm like, I woke up, I showered, my kids are where they're supposed to be. I'm, I'm good. The day is done. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. That, that again, you're talking about somebody who has lost you know, their world, their world has collapsed. Do you think, do you think they're ready to start thinking about, oh, I think I'll get my profile up on match.com today. Two weeks. Because now I'm single. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll tell you the, the, the first time that, um, the, the, the word, maybe not the word widow, but the concept of not being married anymore really hit me was uh, my husband died in late November, and in probably February, just a few months later, mm-hmm. I contacted um, the the man who does our taxes mm-hmm. and to schedule an appointment to get them done. And I mentioned, I said, my husband passed away in November um, very suddenly from cancer, um, so I just wanted to give you a heads up. Please let me know if there's paperwork that I'm going to need to bring. And he said, well, you'll be filing single. And he and <laughs> he said it just so matter of, of fact. It felt like I took a bullet. Yeah, that was it like was, a slap in the face. It, it, and, and I know he didn't mean it that Mm-mm. way. It's just... I, Actually, I think you should have been filing qualified I widow. Know. No, <laughs> it was just... It just hit me like... It a hit me like a bricks. ton of bricks. It yeah. really did. Yeah. So that wasn't helpful. So talking about somebody's marital status after they've lost their person, even if you weren't legally married to your person, you know, you still belong here. Absolutely. You lost your love. That's right. all that matters. Right. But those those of us who were legally married, there are the legal entanglements that come with becoming widowed. Absolutely. That have to be settled. And you have to be in somewhat of a right mind to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, putting, I mean, I wrote my husband's obituary. I wrote um, everything that was put in the program for his right. service. I made all the decisions on all of that. And this and was just in a matter of hours. It was so exhausting yeah. because there was no one else to make those right. decisions. Right. So Having um, having my family around me, I was so, so, so lucky that we had enough notice that my husband probably wasn't going to make it much longer, mm. that my mother and my brother and sister-in-law were able to get in the car, and they were here within six hours. Wow. So they were able to be at the bedside, which mm. I'm forever grateful that they were there with me. So that I'm, I, I will be grateful for that for the rest of my life. Absolutely. And so I had that support right, right. there. Immediately, yeah. I did. And, um, but it, it was the slowly re-engaging with my life, going back to work, encountering people that I hadn't seen for, you know, a couple of weeks. And their questions. And, yeah. and it's the questions, I it's think. It's the questions. I, I mean, 
And, you know, talk about ridiculous questions. Um, I, I had a colleague who said to me, well, this is like a few weeks after. So how is life treating you as a single mom? I mean, it was like very flippant, um, a very flippant um, way of addressing my loss. And she's like, well, how is life as a single mother these days? And I'm ah. like... Like, this is the start of a happy conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, I did a double take. I'm like, who says that to a person who's lost their husband? I was like, I said, well, um, I didn't choose to be a single mother. My husband died. Like, I mean, you know, I, and I, I, I don't think, I think it was early enough that I hadn't, mm -hmm. I think there's an element of um, skill that you um, get over time mm -hmm. in maneuvering around um, people's statements and questions. And, yep. you know, again, I, I don't know that this person was well-intentioned. I don't think that she was out to harm me, but it was hurtful what she said. You know, I, it's hurtful the way it landed on me. And I, I, I responded some kind of way, but if I were to look back, I probably could have addressed it better. And so there, there will be times when people will say things to you and it's either you say something off color back to them or you just take a deep breath and be like, I'm just not going to go there with you today, right? right. Like that's sometimes, um, and that's a valid thing to do. Um, yeah, so. I would say um, I did go back to work a week after my husband's service. I had to, because that's just, I just knew I had to be around people. I had to be mm -hmm. kind of, you know, back with something to focus on. And, yeah. and it did help me tremendously. And plus the fact that all of my coworkers knew my husband because he happened to work in my office the summer before he passed away. Mm. So they all knew who he was. They all loved him, you know. So even, you know, they had memories that they shared of him yeah. and I can't tell people out there enough what a gift that is. Um, I did have a coworker ask me, is it okay if I tell you my favorite memory of Scott? And I said, oh my oh, goodness, so yes, please yes, do. Yes. That, that is such a huge gift and I think the fear is, is that you're reminding us of something painful and I promise you, we haven't forgotten. Never. Never. Yeah. And you it's can like say a daily, his, absolutely. It's a daily thing. You can yeah. say his name to me anytime you want. It it makes me smile to hear people's memories and stories. It keeps him alive. Absolutely. So that's one great thing that you can do for someone is say, Look, can I tell you my favorite story about whoever this person is? Absolutely. I promise you that is a wonderful gift. It is a gift. And I think um, if you don't have a memory, like, I think there's a lot of value also in, especially in the early days, sometimes the silence can be awkward, but if you don't even know what to say, you know, to just be with a person mm -hmm. and be quiet with them mm -hmm. is absolutely um, wonderful as well. So, that's a great yeah. gift as well. Yeah. Um, and, and if you find, if you are the widowed person and you find that person that will let you sit and cry quietly and not ask you 
the awkward questions but just sits with you in that pain, then you have the a most gem. wonderful friend ever. Absolutely. And that is for sure to be cherished. So, um, so what are some phrases you heard that were like nails on a chalkboard for you? Oh my gosh, do I have a whole book? <laughs> <laughs> number one, number one most chalk scratchy statement is he's in a better place. Mm. <laughs> that just would send me off the edge. And I would actually go as far as saying, what do you mean he's in a better place? He loved his family. He wanted to be here with us. Like, mm -hmm. no. that How, how is wherever he is better, better than being right here with me and the kids? Like that, you know. Um, the other one was, um, oh my gosh, you're so strong. I don't think I could ever do this. I was like, okay. <laughs> like I was given a choice. Right. Like I, I chose... This life, thank right. you very much. Like, it's not strong. Uh -huh. I'm just putting one foot in front of the other because that's all I could do, you know. Exactly. Like, oh my gosh, you're so strong. I'm like, there was a point where I, if I heard strong one time, I was just gonna hurl. Like, no, stop saying it. Stop right? saying that. Yeah. And again, we know it's it, we know it's well intentioned, and you're and you're paying a compliment when you say that. I know. Being on the receiving end of it, I almost feel that it's a little dismissive. Yeah. That it's, well, I know you're strong. I don't want to hear about your pain because you're strong. You're strong, right. Right. And that doesn't leave a lot of room for you to break down when no. someone has said, and oh, you're you strong. And when you have that breakdown, now, now this person strong. doesn't think you're strong. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing, oh gosh, this was the, the, way up there as well was um, when people would say, God doesn't give you anything more than you can handle. And I'm like, well, I would like a word with God, please. Right. <laughs> because right. this... Can we get him on the line here? I, like, have... I think he got this wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and to piggyback off of that one, um, um, it was part of God's plan. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my coworkers said that to me <laughs> the first day I was back in the oh. office. And... And again, I I was too I was too dumbstruck, I guess, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. even say anything. I yeah. think I just walked away yeah. because I yeah that that did yeah. not feel. I good. almost I almost feel like there should be a book of things not to say to widowed people. Yeah, like or to anyone grieving. Yes, really. anyone grieving anything. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, um, uh, I even had a widow, probably the third or fourth meeting that I attended for the Mile High Widows mm. say, you're young. You'll find you'll find <laughs> someone else. And I I was so horrified by that. I mean, how can a how can a widow say that to I another know. widow? I say, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> While that could potentially be true that's not the point. That's not the point. Yeah. It, it's not comforting And it's at all. not comforting. No. That's the thing. It's not comforting. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm So, you know, we keep talking about Camp Widow and um, Soaring Spirits and Michelle. I um, remember um, Michelle saying that, you know, people would ask her, like, oh, you're still doing that widow thing? Like, 
um, are you ever going to move on from that? And so she had a really, really good comeback. And okay. she would say, is Phil still dead? And they would be like, yeah. I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to keep doing right? This, right? Right. Are you still grieving? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Is, is he, he still, still gone? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So, Do you still miss him? And and that's something that I that I've seen in the media as well. Mm. Uh, most recently, with that horrible condo collapse oh my God. in Miami, uh, I heard a reporter say, and this this was just recently, so it, it's been what about a month since that happened. Um, said families are still grieving their lost loved ones. You think? And I <laughs> I just wanted to say. Well, of course they of course are, and they, they will the yeah. rest of their lives. Yeah. There's no finish line with grief. Absolutely. None. Absolutely. And I think I think most people don't understand that until they're, until in, they're in the situation. In it. Yeah. yeah. I remember um, a discussion with my kids, you know, because the first year, you know, is the first anniversary and the birthdays and, you know. Holidays, and yeah. And, and so early on I figured... On those days that were hard for me, I would just switch off my phone because I just could not deal with the influx of oh, okay. messages and, you know, it. I just couldn't. That, that was your self-care. Yes. And so, um, but my, one of my kids said something about, I can't remember if it was a birthday or a holiday or something, and I think someone had said, oh my gosh, this has got to be really hard. And they said, and, and they said you know, we miss it. It's every day. You know, the difference on the holidays is that everybody else remembers the yes. holidays. So then it's a little bit extra pressure. But every single day, you know, you're waking up and he's not there. And every right. single day, right. he's not at the things that we used to do. Yeah. And then an anniversary comes around and then everybody remembers. Like, oh, that's There's right. A, yes. Mm. And so it's like, oh, yeah, it's not. You know, um, it's not just those anniversaries. It's like, and you know, sometimes it's just the little things, right? Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. the it's the tiny little things, and so some some things will kind of catch you. Well, not kind of unawares. They they absolutely catch you unawares, mm -hmm. and um, you can't prepare for them. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those will be moments that bring you to your knees, mm -hmm. and you'll have those absolutely and. I know I've made peace with myself that I'm going to have those probably the rest of my life. Absolutely. I mean, I remember my daughter's graduation. Oh. And it was it was a great day. And then... Big life events By like the end that. of the day, you know, we just oh. broke down. Like, he's not here to witness this, he, you know? He so, missed out on yeah. this. Yeah. I know it sounds strange. Um, um, I was in a widow Facebook group discussion about... Um, things that just don't make sense anymore. And the one thing that we were talking about was, of course, it, it, hopefully most people who are widowed, you know, had a great strong relationship. Every marriage has its issues, of course. But, you know, my husband was my best friend. Mm -hmm. And so not only was he my life partner, my spouse, my husband, my best friend, um, the day that he died, again, he, thoughts just aren't, aren't connecting correctly right and I remember getting home that that afternoon and he was the one person that I I told all of these big events in my life to and he Wasn't I want 
I wanted to tell him that this was the worst day of my life, but he wasn't there for me to tell him. Yeah. It doesn't, I'm, I'm probably not explaining it very you, well. I, you but, are explaining it so well. But I didn't have anyone to tell. And so, right? <laughs> I was having, we were having this discussion um, just recently about your brain has been so used. Your, there are neurons um, dedicated to your loved one that are still firing even after he's gone. And so the expectation of him to be there, it, it's yes. a real thing because it, there are yeah. neurons dedicated to that literally in your brain. And so um, I remember, um, you know, to, to piggyback on to what you're saying, the, you, you physically know it, mm -hmm. but part of your body is still existing as if he's still there, right. but he's not there, and right. then it just messes with your, with your whole brain. And so, um, I remember months after when something good happened, and I'm in the car, and I, I pick like, up my phone to just call to call him, him yeah. you know, or go to the restaurant, and with my kids, and ask for a table for four instead of, uh, you know, those things. You're so, absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, and so. Uh. Um, I, I even asked my mom that day, who, my mm -hmm. mom was there, and I turned her at one point and I said, do you think he knows he died? Hmm. I mean, because that was, that was, uh, do you think he knows? I, I, th I can't explain because, why that was such a concern for mm -hmm. me, but it was. Yeah. That's where my head was. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a crazy concept to, it really, to wrap your brain around, especially, much. you know, you, you, You've been with this person, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it's it's. I think, and, and maybe that's where the the idea of trauma comes into play. I, I totally because agree. Your brain has to figure out a way to accommodate that absence, and it, it doesn't happen overnight. And it shows. It shows yeah. how long it takes to process Absolutely. these monumental things that. Yeah happened yes and um, so the fogginess mm -hmm. the the absent-mindedness the forgetfulness Very all much. of that comes into play with plus i have <laughs> menopausal brain <laughs> and blonde brain here on top of it we have to have, we have, to, have, <laughs> we have to have kelly lynn come and talk about widow brain <laughs> i think we have to leave that she to her she will be absolutely brilliant yes to talk about yes. widow brain yes yes but um before we um, finish, I want so I know um, what has been four years for you, ten years for me. What were the most helpful things to you in your um, widowhood, and maybe early on, and then up till now? Early on, um, for me, it was getting back into my routine. That was helpful for me. I'm I am an extrovert. So I need to be around other people for my energy levels. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to be around my coworkers again. Mm -hmm. And this was all pre-pandemic, of course. Um, but getting back into that routine was important for me. Um, but also just being around the people that also knew my husband. Yeah. And he wasn't just my Kim's husband. He was Scott. Right, and right. And having them share and support and just, you know, give me the hug that I needed. Right. You know, I got so many stinking hugs. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was Thank wonderful. Yeah. Um, but 
I would say the biggest thing was people sharing their stories and their memories. Mm. That was, that just kept him alive for me. It yeah. still does to this day, and it probably always will. Absolutely. So I would say that's probably the greatest gift. Mm. And sitting with somebody in their pain and just sitting there quietly is immeasurable. Absolutely. So when not having agree. anyone demand of anything just being there with you yes absolutely and i would say that first day when you were being asked you know how can i help mm. um if you're the person asking i really want to help you you you're going through hell right now come up with specific things like if you can see like in my case scott and i were in the middle of raking leaves mm. uh, the leaves never got raked until after he died. Right. My nephews and their wives saw that there were still piles of leaves in the yard, and they took care of it. Mm -hmm. And that was so appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, just random things. Like, if you can see that the vacuum cleaner needs to be, be run around, do that. Sweep. Um, do some dishes. Um, whatever. Anything to lighten, like, you know... If you think, if you could peer inside the brain of someone who lost someone, it's a big mess in there. Yeah. And so, like, just taking one little thing off their plate without mm -hmm. them having to say what it is. Specifically. Is, yeah, is, is, is a big deal. And plus, um, you on top of it, you had the worry of your kids oh and their grief. Mm. And... I did not experience that because obviously I don't have kids, mm -hmm. but that just added a whole other layer of worry and heartache for you. Absolutely. And you're trying to sort yourself and you're trying to sort your kids and yes. keep them going. Yep. And so if the person you know who's in this new awful hell, if you can maybe help with the kids in any way, Take I imagine away, that's a them, huge yeah. help. Absolutely. And I um, I think early on I was so acutely aware of, of them in their grief, but also of them being worried about me. Yes. And so that was a huge... That's uh, cyclical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so... Um, and it was kind of strange because we, we had moved to Colorado. It was just the four of us. We didn't have family here, mm -hmm. you know. And so for us, people came into town, and it was great while they helped. And then, you know, we met a few people along the way that, that helped. But ultimately, it was the three of us. And so um, it was a lot of navigating between showing my grief and caring for them in their grief and figuring out, you know, um, so the things that helped me, I think their school was really great. Okay. Um, finding their counselors. Oh, um, wonderful. Cherry Creek High School, the counselors at the school were, um, oh. phenomenal. Um, oh, that's so great to yes. hear. Yes. And the other thing, and, and I say this to anyone who has kids, to find a grief support group for children. So for us, it was Judy's house. And so... The people, I think one of the persons who sent us cards had written that information. And I think that probably was the single most helpful thing 
for the three of us as a family was to be able to go to Judy's house to be with other kids who had lost a significant parent and to be with parents. Yes. You know, um, it was huge. And so um, finding that community early on was really fun. And it was so funny because I I found out about Soaring Spirits through going to Judy's house. Oh, wow. You know, so it's full circle. All of the connections. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. And we've, we've already talked about community. We could probably talk about community probably three or four more times because it really is the foundation, I think, of, of healing. healing. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Um, there's no there's no healing in isolation. It just does not happen. I, And I know some people are of that mindset yeah. that um, I'm, I'm going to keep this in. I'm going to yeah. keep this to myself. I'm um, going to keep the stiff upper lip. And, and and it works for a while, but it it's yeah. long term. It's not sustainable. I yeah. I, I totally agree. Mm. I totally agree. It's just something that can't go on forever. Absolutely. It's just too profound of a loss. Yeah. yeah. So well, we hope that we hope that we've given you some food for some, thought, right? <laughs> food for thought. Also, don't bring too many casseroles over. Oh gosh, yeah. Because yeah. you know now now the. The family has to think about, you know, guilt of throwing yeah, stuff guilt out. Of throwing food away because you're probably. I know that I know that I lost probably a good fifteen pounds. I've nothing interested me, and food was certainly not interesting to me at all. Mm. And there was a lot of donated food that I felt bad about throwing, throwing out. Away. Yeah, yeah. I did the guilty thing of keeping it in the freezer first until there was no. No, it was unrecognizable. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing, um, that was where the point person came in because for a long time, you know, people, and, and I, I want to say there were several groups that brought food, the, the friends and then um, my kids' track team. And so I was able to just tell my point person just twice a week was enough. There you go. And so it spread it out further, but then we weren't having to deal with so much. So, so much. Yeah. Too much. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, hopefully, hopefully we've hopefully you. haven't rambled too much. <laughs> and ho hopefully you've kept it all straight in your mind. <laughs> I know. It's like, ah, oh, but um, yeah, this is a good one. It might be one to revisit. Um, oh, I was going to say um, Camp Widow was great, but I attended a session by Susan McNabb, mm -hmm. and um, she wrote the book. A to Z of Healing yes. Through Grief. Yes. Phenomenal book. And any book, talking about books that mm -hmm. are helpful, any yes. book that is in small chunks that your widow brain can, yes. you know, it's just literally small pieces of mm -hmm. information under the alpha. So A is for something, B is for something. You could pick a letter at your own will and you'll find a nugget of information that will be helpful. Definitely then, a great book. Um, and I found option B. Oh, yeah. To be an incredible book. It was given to me by a co-worker. It was on my desk when I came back to work. Absolutely. And so... I still I, have your copy, and I haven't read it. You, can, <laughs> you hang on to it. I read, I read it three times. Oh, my gosh. That's and amazing. And it's, it's really, truly about the only book that I've actually read start to finish since Scott died. I've had such a hard time focusing yeah. to be able to get through an entire book. Isn't that weird? I because know. I was reading 30, 40 books a year. Right. Just on my commute to work. So here's a, a talking about helpful things with books. Um, Silver Linings of the Pandemic audiobooks. 
Uh-huh. Uh, yes. And, um, so if you want to help a widowed person, mm-hmm. get them a subscription to Audible. That and then a download great. a couple of useful books on mm-hmm. there. Um, mm-hmm. One more is um, Living with Grief One Day at a Time by Rachel Cardenas. Yes. And that is, again, just one nugget of information. Small chunks. Small chunks, yes. Yeah. The widowed brain is very fragile. <laughs> very fragile. Don't bring in a book that's, you know, six inches thick. I, yeah, I have people bring me piles of books, and they're still where they were. I'm going to run away from those. <laughs> it almost feels like another task. Uh, I almost feel like we need to put the, the information. We'll probably find a place to put it on the website. Yes, some absolutely. Some of the books that have been helpful. I think that's a great idea. Some we of the resources, absolutely. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, this has been great. Oh, my gosh. Yes, we uh, <laughs> we hope to be back again soon. Soon. Um, so, in the meantime, you know, just um, be the soft shoulder for Absolutely. for your widowed person. Yes, yes. Thanks for listening. All right.